Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Today, we're going to talk about how to track down a therapist if you are interested in starting your own therapy journey. Thanks so much for tuning in. As we get into the episode, one of the first questions that many people ask me is, what does a therapist do? Why do people actually go to therapy? And there's a whole host of reasons people might come into therapy, but there's two that tend to be the primary expectation or the primary focus, and those are anxiety reduction and skill building. Now, people will come to us in all different contexts. Um, Life adjustment is a big one, so big seasons of transition where they need another set of eyes on their life or they need some um, intervention, some quick support. Grief is another space where people come in, but again, grief is going to be also intertwined somewhat with anxiety reduction. We also have people come to work through trauma and to kind of reorganize their life. There's also going to be people who do have uh, significant clinical issues going on, so significant mental and emotional struggles. But again, much of that is going to come down to helping them manage anxiety and helping them skill build. And then the last piece, and this is kind of the overarching piece, relationship or relational struggles. Pretty much anyone that's coming into therapy is coming in because in some way, shape, or form, there's a relational dynamic going on that's either shifted or that's weak or that needs some sort of repair or that uh, needs some sort of temporary supports. And so again, anxiety reduction, skill building, and something related to relationships, those tend to be the overarching reasons why people come into therapy. And so I personally like to break it down with clients in uh, wellness domains, and this is verbiage that's been around for the broad side of about 40 years. And if, I mean, I'm putting it out there right now just to hold myself accountable, I'm actually working on a book that very much uses this language as consistently as possible, because I do believe that when we look at things through holistic wellness, there are certain domains that show up consistently. And I'm very much a proponent of holistic wellness. When we look at domains, we're looking at the physical domain. Then we're going to have the emotional domain, so emotional wellness and health. Then we're going to have the intellectual domain. And we're also going to have the spiritual domain. So I specifically am someone who operates out of a faith context. I don't impose that on clients, but I, in my own life, walk in a faith context. And I have many clients that come to me specifically Um, to operate out of a faith context as well. But even if someone is not from a a faith lens or doesn't want intervention from a faith lens, I do believe that spiritual health is part of holistic health. And so at some point, while we might not navigate religion, we will navigate spirituality and meaning and purpose. And that's another lens that people can parcel through in a therapeutic setting as long as a clinician is willing to walk that with them. Then we also have the relational and the recreational piece that show up. And then we have vocational and financial. And so if I'm walking with clients, those are eight different areas we're going to parcel through together. And to be fair, maybe they only have an issue in one or two areas and the rest are are locked in and that's awesome. We actually will probably be together a shorter amount of time. But usually as we have breakdown or struggle in one or two wellness domains, there tends to be a ripple effect. So if someone's having emotional struggle, often there's going to have some sort of relational component to it where it's taxing friendships or relationships. If there's a lot of emotional distress going on, perhaps it is having consequences in their job. So there's some vocational implications, which might also lead to some financial struggles.
struggle, which also starts to have some physical wear and tear. So there's just a lot of interplay, but what's neat about it is when we start to work on healing in one area, so for example, we focus on the emotional health piece and there was relationship breakdown, well, maybe as emotional health is locked in, we have some relational rebuilding going on and perhaps the emotional distress uh, starts to stymie some of the physical struggle and maybe because that's getting handled, there's fewer issues going on in the job. And so there's just such a big interplay between each of these areas. But someone having distress in any one of these areas might be a launching point for them coming into therapy. And again, we point out if there's struggle, there's probably some anxiety reduction that needs to go on. There's probably some skill building that needs to go on. And there's probably some relationship building that would need to happen. And so one of the reasons for my episode this last Monday talking about please don't tell people that therapy is off limits. And please, if you're in therapy and it's working, share that with others. One of the reasons why I'm insistent about that or or really promote that is because word of mouth matters. Cold calling a therapist is like showing up on a blind date. That's it, it. It really is a very foreign dynamic. And the more preparation we have for it or the more insight we have into what we're walking into, the better we're going to be able to walk into a therapeutic alliance. And so one of the reasons I ask my clients to be candid about their success in therapy is because if they can go out and spread the word about a therapist who intervened well on their life, that's a very concrete entry point for someone else to walk into therapy. Referrals are key. If I wanted to to go to an exercise class and I have no idea where to start and someone says to me, oh, you should really try work. It's W-E-R-Q and it's a lot of fun. And you should go to the Monday night class with Monica. That's very specific. And I'm going to show up there far more boldly than if someone just says, oh, you should show up at the Y on Tuesdays and you know pop into a class. When I know specifics, I'm going to have less anxiety and I'm going to walk a little bit more boldly into change. And that's why word of mouth matters. And so if you do need to get started and you don't know where to start and no one has made a recommendation to you, there are several ways you can go into the process of trying to track down the right therapist for you. The first decision you have to make is, are you going to do private pay or are you going to do insurance? And there's pros and cons to each of them. Um, One of the things to be very aware of is if you're doing insurance, we have to bill a code, which means there has to be a diagnosis. And this diagnosis is sent to a third party. Not a big deal, really. It's not like anyone's on the receiving end of that code and they're they're making any sort of assumptions or judgments about the person who is getting treatment. But it's important to understand that that's a documented thing. So if you decide that you don't want it to go through an insurance company, private pays a choice. But again, private pay means you're not paying towards deductibles and all of that. And so it really is a cost benefit analysis to yourself. There is less stringency with private pay. We will still diagnose. We will still use that to inform treatment. It's just not getting reported out to a third party. So that's something to be aware of. If you do want to use insurance and you don't know where to start, you can contact your insurance company and see if they have any referrals that are in network. That's a great way to get started. The other thing you could do is call around to local agencies and say, okay, this is my insurance carrier. Do you have someone who's compatible with this particular insurance? And you can really kind of go either route. You can call the insurance company or you can call local agencies. The next thing would be if you have a name, I would do some recon. I would do a little bit of research and try to figure out if they're going to be a good fit for you. So in many cases, a lot of clinicians will have a social media presence. Do a quick Google search. Check if they have a LinkedIn. Check if they have any sort of social media 
visibility that that you can just get a feel for who they are and what they do. That's actually one of the very reasons that I run a blog and why I do this particular podcast is so there's visibility and someone can decide, is she a good fit for me or is she not a good fit for me? Take a listen and and if, if someone decides, no, that's not my cup of tea, that's a-okay. So I would recommend that you do a little bit of research. If you're not finding anyone in a general Google search, you can go ahead and check out Psychology Today. That's a really good place to look. A lot of therapists pay for a subscription to get some visibility through there. The other thing I would recommend though, if you have a name of a company that you're interested in, go onto their website and see if they have bios for their therapists. So I work at Joe Martino Counseling. We all have bios that are listed there. You go through and you read them and see if someone might be a good fit for you. I do think it's important to do a little bit of front-end research so you know what you're walking into. The other decision you really have to decide on is are you willing to do telehealth or are you interested in doing telehealth? And for some people, they only want to do telehealth, so you'd have to make sure that a clinician has that available. Or do you want to do things in person? Now, I'm very biased about which is preferable. I do think that in person yields a relational component that telehealth just cannot generate. I think telehealth is useful. And I think in our, I was going to say post-COVID world, but um, that's not accurate. COVID shifted things for a lot of us. And for some, it just feels safer to do telehealth. And I get that. And that's a-okay. And it is a viable option in many people's stories. And there's a convenience factor to it. But in-person does yield a different depth to relationship. And so consider that if you are someone who is seeking connection and trying to understand how to connect better, in-person might actually be a superior method for you, but you get to decide that. I will say related to COVID, there were quite a few clinicians that shifted to only telehealth. And in fact, I lost my own personal therapist to that dynamic. And I know telehealth for me isn't the ideal setup, mostly because I would be doing uh, my sessions at home or at work and there's people who can hear me. And my posture is different. If I don't feel that I have, you know, total anonymity or confidentiality in what I'm saying, I'm just not going to be as candid or as honest. And and that's another reason why in-person is preferable from my point of view. But post-COVID, I keep saying that we're, we're still dealing with the ramifications of COVID. But at the onset of COVID, we had a ton of clinicians go into the home and say like, oh, wait, this is actually preferable. And so they've stayed in their in-home setting and now they only offer telehealth. And because that's true, there's actually quite a dearth going on of clinicians where many of us have a pretty extensive waiting list and it's really hard to get in to see people right now. And if that's true for you, be patient, get yourself on a waiting list, consider telehealth, but it's there's kind of a reshuffling going on, especially locally here in West Michigan. You will get in to see someone. It might just take a, a minute here. I will give calm reassurance that it is a short-term struggle but the industry is growing and the amount of clinicians out there is growing. And so not a great season, but if you can get in with someone, awesome. Another way you get in with someone, by word of mouth. So I heavily encourage you, if you do see a therapist and you know someone who needs to get in, be that voice for them. Let them know that you might have someone that they can see and then talk to your own therapist about getting someone else added to their schedule. Referrals will usually take precedent over a wait list and that's just the reality of it. The next thing I'm going to suggest, date your therapist. Now, 
now. This is a HIPAA violation. Your therapist should not be dating you. If your therapist ever offers to date you, understand that's a huge ethical breach and you should be reporting them ASAP. That is absolutely inappropriate. But when I say date your therapist, what I mean is you're not sitting with someone and committing to a therapeutic alliance just because you had a first date together. And by date, I mean a first meeting. Your intake is a time to get to know them, to ask them questions, to hear about their philosophies. And truthfully, you don't get a good feel for someone or for a dynamic until about three sessions in. And if you decide it's not for you, then it's not for you and and find someone else. That is an okay thing to do. I say to every one of my clients in our first meeting, I say to them at any point, if you decide you need a different therapist, I respect that and honor that because you have rights in this alliance. You have to be comfortable with me. Some of the numbers indicate that 85% of positive outcomes are due to the relationship between client and clinician. You have to trust your therapist. And if you don't, you're not going to make the gains that are needed. So when I say date your therapist, I mean, don't be scared of a few first dates or a few second dates if it means you're going to land on the right fit for you. Now, one of the issues we run into is the cost factor, right? So therapy can be cost prohibitive, but what I will say is it really is actually imperative that you pay for what you're capable of paying as it relates to a therapist. So do not go cut rate if you don't have to go cut rate. The reason that matters is because asking for payment is one of the ways that people are most invested in their healing. And so while I understand that there's a lot of cost issues that go on. If you can afford therapy and if you prioritize therapy, I assure you, you will make far greater gains than if you find a service that's free to you or that doesn't have, uh, doesn't hold you to expectations or doesn't insist on you showing up. I can guarantee that outcomes look far different if it's an unpaid source. So keep that in mind. If you can find someone whose private pay is $40 or $50 or $60 and that's what you can afford, I encourage you to invest there as a opposed to a free service. Now, that being said, there are very cost-friendly options out there. So I mentioned that I work at Joe Martino Counseling. We actually have a service there where uh, students who have to do their practicum and internships from college, they come in and work for us and we offer sessions for $20 and then they're going to go and run through cases with the, the site supervisor. And so it's good therapy, but these are people with their training wheels on still metaphorically speaking, but they need practice and if you need a cost-friendly option, that's a great way to do that. And so if you ever wanted to, um, if you're in West Michigan and you needed that type of service, uh, reach out to Joe Martino Counseling. There may be others who run internship programs. I'm not sure what that would look like, but I know that um, ours yields very good results because frankly, that's where I got my training. And I do want to sound humble here, but I'm pretty fantastic because of said training. If you are a college student, check your campus. You should have services offered on campus. There are also going to be local options that are nonprofits. And so here in West Michigan, we have an option called Beacon of Hope where you, I think you pay as much as you're able or you donate, but the services are actually free. If you don't know where to start and you need low cost options, call your community mental health agency. They're going to have some insights on how to get started. If you're in a crisis, there are crisis hotlines set up that are no cost that will help walk you through some sort of crisis or trauma. Those are really good options for you if therapy is cost prohibitive. But as much as I get nervous about asking people to pay a high price tag for therapy, I understand that I take my personal therapy so much more seriously because I've had to prioritize it in my budget. And, and frankly, over the over the course of
of a year, it's it's going to be a pretty heavy price tag. However, I'm probably only going to have to walk with this additional expense for about 12 to 18 months, I would assume. So short-term wrangling of my budget for long-term payoff. And that's the way I personally look at it. And in doing that, I will build skills. I will practice these new skills long-term, which will change the trajectory of my life. I will be intervening on my anxiety. I will be processing through trauma and trying to reorganize my life around the understanding of that trauma. And I will be able to just navigate more healthfully in mind and body and in spirit and in each of those health domains I talked about. So I'm able to take care of issues related to my physical, my emotional, my spiritual, intellectual, recreational, relational, financial, vocational. All pieces can come into play in the therapeutic alliance. So instead of me going out and finding a nutrition coach and finding a fitness coach and finding a spiritual advisor and finding a career coach, I can do all of that in the context of my therapy. And that's why to me, it's such a valuable service. That is where we're going to stop it for today. If you don't know where to start, get into my inbox. So again, that's healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. But I've given you a list of places to start. I really encourage you guys, if you need a new set of eyes on your life or you need different skills built, therapy can be a valuable, valuable thing to add into your life. And the amount of skilled therapists that I walk with, we get to go and work on intervening in people's stories and changing the trajectory of their lives because people did the very brave thing of coming in and saying, hey, I need some help here. So that's where we're going to leave it today. As always, if you give a like, a share, if you're willing to spread the good news, if you're willing to recommend your therapist, those are all great things and things that other people would benefit from. Thank you so much, guys, and have a good rest of your day. Okay.